podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. And welcome to the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. My name is Craig Telfer and right this very second, I am joined by my close associate, Sean McGuigan. Hello there. And you know what happens when the Michelle Moan and Douglas Barriman of the Terrace get together. Oh, that's right. You are going to give us a lot of money uh, and Sean and I are going to spend it indiscriminately. And without, we don't have to tell you what we're going to do with it. You know, uh, don't get me wrong, there's, there's, a lot to, there's a lot to take in about that interview, but his... The, the lower end his of his stomach. shirt, the lower end of his shirt is really struggling. <laughs> Listen, like, they're, like, they're, they're getting a lot of money, and, and that's that, that that's not good. However, he he needed a bigger shirt. There's no getting away for that. Maybe that's it. maybe that's some of that PPE that PPE they spent could have extended to getting him a shirt that actually fit him. Can you imagine that having all the money in the world, more money than you know what to do with, it, and you can't get a shirt that fits you. Your horrible big fat swag of a gut. Pushing through like a nosy neighbour at the curtains. I mean, he could get a shirt that fits him, but it would involve buying an XXL. That's yeah. all he has to do. It's like, listen, Douglas Barrowman, if you're listening, dress for the body you have, not the body you want. And if you're a big tubby boy, just wear big tubby boy shirts. It's fine. Honestly, like, like, I mean, that, that's, that's, the, that's one of the funniest things. That's perhaps the most embarrassing thing that's come out of this interview. Not the fact that Barrowman and Moan's reputation is absolute tatters. The fact that his big guts protruding through his, his ill-fitting shirt. I, I haven't listened to a single word they've said. I've only seen, like, images of the, the interview. And I was like, oh, my goodness, that shirt does not fit him. That, that's the thing that's got me. The, the interview is very funny just because they're, they, they've completely misjudged the mood and it hasn't, they're, they're quote-unquote fight back. They haven't really fought back anything. But it's, it's, I can't remember the guy's name. Sort of was a health minister at the time who dug out text messages to, to like say, aha, no, we, they were talking about uh, PP Med Pro. They, they were involved. And then Michelle Moan comes back and says, hey, I thought your phone had uh, you deleted all the text messages. They were standing at the COVID inquiry. It's something like that, the ruthlessness. At which these people will turn on each other. There are no honour amongst thieves. It's very, 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 very funny. Well, listen, I hope he, I hope her husband gets to buy bigger shirts soon. Bigger shirts, bigger yachts. Do you think they'll, they'll be made to give that money back? Uh, nah. No, no, I nah. can't imagine anything happening whatsoever. Nah, isn't it? You kind of go back to like when I was growing up when politicians or, or people in power did something bad, there was always consequences. It just doesn't seem to be the case anymore. Nah, you read nah, about all these all these conservatives that are that are like done for some pretty serious stuff. And you just say, oh well, that's that's such a bad attitude. Just say, oh well, and then just sort of turn away from it all. I say it's, it's it's really really bad. It's probably a sign of the times. Yeah, nah, nothing bad happens, but but here we are. Here we are. Now, Sean and I can do... Maybe, Sean, this is a, our gateway into doing a satirical show. If, if Ian Hislop and Paul Merton ever left, have I got news for you, we could bring you and I on. You know, bit of politics, bit of laughs, bit of satire. I, I actually watched that for the first time in a long time on Friday and maybe chuckled approximately six times. I, I actually thought it was okay. 
do you remember the episode they did with Angus Deaton after the stuff about the prostitutes and cocaine came out? I I watched it, but I actually found it quite uncomfortable. Uh, he was decimated in a funny yes. way, in, in a in a in a funny way. He was absolutely decimated. But it was very very awkward. He was in uh, One Foot in the Grave, and he was also in Nighty Night. I don't know if you ever saw Nighty Night. I, I did not watch Nighty Night. I, I did watch One Foot in the Grave. Nighty Night is hilarious. Nighty Night is probably the blackest comedy that's ever been made. Very very funny. If anyone's listening and has seen Nighty Night, they'll know exactly what I mean. It's about a woman who's like her husband is like found out that he's uh, recovered from cancer, but she falls in love with a new neighbor that's moved in, and so pretends that the husband's dying, tells the husband that he's dying, starts making him wear nappies, and then tries to seduce the husband, played by Angus Deaton. And Angus Deaton's wife's got multiple sclerosis, and she does stuff to, to upset and make the exacerbate the woman's MS. It's it, honestly. You've got your head in your hands talking about it. It's so funny. It's such a funny, funny show, man. Uh, better, Julia than, Davis. better than Badil Syndrome. Man, Badil Syndrome. Uh, yeah, Badil Syndrome. I found out all I need to know about the Israel-Palestine conflict <laughs> through, thanks to Badil Syndrome. So thank you very much for that, David Badil. Uh, he's such David Badil, such a twat, isn't he? Uh, I, I, I'm not sure I'm keen on him. Sean and I will be looking at one game from the Championship, another fixture from League One, and a final match from League Two. And do remember, the format of this podcast is patented. Please report anyone you know who's doing something similar because it's theft. And if this podcast rips us off, and ultimately you're taking food out of the mouths of our children, and uh, that's no one wants to do that, particularly this time of year. But Sean... I mean, neither of us have children, to be fair. Uh, yeah, but the, the listeners don't need to know that. You know, what I do in my, my, my personal life is absolutely none of the people <laughs> do it. I could have loads of kids. I just uh, choose not to, to talk about them. I'm like Boris Johnson. You know? I can't remember. I'm very shifty. Can't quite put my finger on how many kids I've got. So, so you can't remember the fact that you have none? <laughs> I've got so many children, I've got none. That's it. Just like our erstwhile Prime Minister. But before we get going, Sean, I suppose worth asking is Christmas is just around the corner. We're recording this on the 20th of December. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you in the festive spirit? You know, sir, I wouldn't say I was that much of a Christmassy person. Oh. I mean, I'm not anti-Christmas, but I wouldn't say I was like totally geared up and, and excited about it. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. That's okay. Are you? I not really. No, no, no. I was trying to think of the the thing that I'm most looking forward to is EastEnders Christmas special. <laughs> uh, I, I'm really annoyed that it's going on at quarter to ten at night. That's that's too late for me. It should be on at eight o'clock in the evening. Uh, but that's nevertheless, I'm not in charge. I mean, let's be honest. A view for the terror should be on at ten o'clock uh, just before, uh, just after the championship football. So I'm not responsible for scheduling at BBC. But if I was. EastEnders Christmas special, 8 o'clock, a view for the terrace on at 10 o'clock on, on the Fridays. But no, I'm very much looking forward to that. Uh, and it's my niece's third Christmas, so it's, she's got a wee bit of a personality now, so it's good to, to, to hang out with her. And have you bought her good presents, and will you be wrapping them in silver foil? I used, to wrap stuff, I used to wrap stuff in tin foil, but uh, it's um, <laughs> expensive and not good for the environment. Well, which says you, you, you wrap them well in tin foil. Well, they seem to be to, good at wrapping. It's hard to wrap them poorly in tinfoil. You know, I mean, the tinfoil it really does what you want it to. <laughs> yeah, you know, it really does what you want it to. Eh? So, so you don't need to you don't need to worry about that. Um, 
Aye, but so I, I'm, I'm EastEnders. I think I'm most looking forward to. Obviously, time with the family, but it's I, I choose not to drink in Christmas. It's just a mm-hmm. thing. I'm, I'm not adverse to. I'm not. I mean, as you know better than anyone else, Sean. <laughs> I'm not adverse to saying no to a glass of beer, <laughs> but I, I don't drink at, at Christmas. Just as easier to just drive around uh, and you're, you're your own your own destiny in charge of your own destiny. If you if you don't do that, well, that's good. That's good. That that sounds uh, that sounds very sensible. Did, did are you going to your your mother's for uh, Christmas Day? Uh, yes, I will go there for my dinner and then go to my dad's on unboxing day. I think my, my gran is coming down from Kilmarnock, so it'll be good to good to spend some time with her. So yeah, but I think most of the time it'll be it'll be alone. I'll just uh, just and my thoughts might start uh, might start reading it. Might start reading a book. Oh, you find that funny, Sean? <laughs> you might start reading a book. Yeah, yeah, I'll probably get a book for Christmas. So I've, I've got I've got into a bad habit. I don't do as much now. I used to just buy books and stick them in my bookshelf and never read them. That is a bad habit. Yeah. Duncan Mackay would not get in that habit. No, Duncan Mackay uh, would he just read. There's, 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 Duncan Mackay would buy the book and read it. Effectively, that's ultimately what you're saying. That man can read. That, that man can read the shit out of a book. He could read the shit out of a book. But nevertheless, Sean, we've been talking. Boy, Josh Thompson, that Mark Dundee United fan, he'll be raging with us. We've been talking for nine minutes and we haven't actually got to the point. Well, Joshy boy, you are in luck. Now, Bit of scene setting, first of all, Sean. On last week's show, I complained about some of the cheek and the lip I was getting from Dundee United supporters on social media. This was, of course, after the, the Wraith Rovers and Partick Thistle game. I was thoroughly entertained by a Wraith Rovers attacker called Dylan Easton. And his performance in that match was so impressive that I was moved to share my thoughts about him on social media. And I said that he's the best player outside the Scottish top flight. Now, a number of Dundee United supporters got in touch with me to let me know that I was talking shit including one called Ian Bone. Ian Bone decided to get in touch. And he wrote, nearly 30 years old who has spent his career in the Seaside Leagues. Settle, mate. Well, Ian, much like Frazier, you're left with scrambled egg all over your face because Dylan Easton scored one of the goals of the season eight days later as the Rovers beat United 1-0 at Tannadice. This is the biggest game of the weekend, probably the biggest game in the SPFL so far this season and it leaves Wraith Rovers five points clear at the top of the table, albeit having played a game more than United, but it feels as though the momentum is well and truly with Rovers. That's 10 games unbeaten, eight wins and two draws, and you've won your last five matches, and you're standing there with a massive (laughs) big grin on your face. Sean, what on earth, what on earth is happening at Starts Park? You know, so we see on, like, just see on Saturday that felt like, it felt like such an important game. It felt like a vital game. And bear in mind, it's like the second tier in December. That that doesn't happen very often. But the the fact that they felt like such a, I don't know, a sense of occasion, I suppose. Yeah. Like when I was walking up to Tannadice, when we were, when we were walking up to Tannadice, Wraith Rovers had, had laid on uh, 12 free buses. And no suddenly this kind of convoy of buses started going past us. Fuller Rovers fans. Although disappointingly, there was a, a chap in the window, and I kind of heard a chap, and I turned around, and it was like somebody who was maybe about twelve, just flipping the finger. <laughs> and I was like, "Well, that's <laughs> the price of fame." <laughs> yes, that, that, that's both simple, simple and effective. But regardless, it just felt important. And you get to the uh, you go around the corner to the uh, to the turnstiles, the away turnstiles. There's maybe five hundred people trying to get in. They all have. They all have like 
like blue Santa hats on. Ah, the that? club you, you were wearing one as well. Ah, so the club had created it. So not only they laid on uh, free buses, they laid on free Santa hats. But it was weird because I don't know if it was to do with like the material they were made with or the stitching or whatever. But it was quite hard for the like you couldn't really wear it with a hat down. So basically, it was like I don't know, fifteen hundred Rovers fans wearing. Santa had blue Santa hats that were totally erect for like the entire <laughs> period of the game. But you come around the corner, you see that, then you see a, a Wraith Rovers fan, and it kind of felt like this had been a, a, a conversation in a pub that had got out of hand. So there was a Rovers fan that was dressed up as old father time. And he had like he had the beard, he had the kind of it was like a kind of cloak, I suppose. And he had a homemade, I think it's a scythe, it yeah, would have yeah. been. But written on the side was rather than old father time, it was old father injury time. <laughs> I was like, well, you've really, you've really went the extra, the extra yard here. Fair play to you. There's, there's uh, footage of I don't know if you've seen it because it was two cameras on the Rovers fans, and you know the one where just when they're about to score, oh, brilliant. It's the boy, see, the yep. boys at the front. There's a yep. who's swaying, and you can, you mm-hmm. can see his, you can see his thighs and his knees. It's like the, the Rovers' content over the past couple of days mm-hmm. was brilliant. That was one of my favourite videos. The two, the, the, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. So, so you're right. There's a sway amongst the the young boys at the front because you're like, well, and I'm like, well, why are they swaying? Is it like because they're trying to get a better look, or is it just they're swaying in time with Dylan Eason? I'm not entirely sure. Uh, but there is, like, you can kind of see old father injury time behind their shoulders. Is on that the, right? On the left side. Aye. You can just about see it. Uh, you can just about see it, but it was all very good. But just in terms of the entire day, I don't think I've been so excited about a Wraith Rovers league game in a long, 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 long time. And it, it was entirely justified. Oh, and man. I know there's been a lot written about the, the away support, like they took... 1,800 fans oh, and the sold out the stand. The, the, the Dungeon United as well. The Dungeon United fans as well deserve a lot of praise. 8,500 Dungeon United fans. That's class. 100%. And that's something that, that I noticed when, when uh, the Wraith Rovers highlights, excellent as usual. Really good idea that how the game went. Didn't, didn't look like a fantastic game. We'll come on and talk about that uh, shortly. But when they, they filmed the players coming out and you see that stand behind the goal full of Dundee United supporters with yeah. the flags, it really did look like something off the continent. It looked like something from like a sort of, this isn't a criticism, but like a mid-tier Italian game in Serie A, mm-hmm. where, where yeah. you see that those sort of flags and there's all that noise and all that colour. And obviously the tangerine, such a very distinctive colour. It's like, wow, this looks... And when the camera, mo- the camera moves along and you just see all the other stands that are absolutely jam-packed full of people, it felt like this is a, this is a really big game. Yeah, I, and you don't get that... Well, I I've not found it often. Maybe maybe other teams do or other fans do of other clubs, but it's not something that comes along that often for a Wraith Rovers fan in the in, in lower league Scottish football. The fact that you're involved in a like a, a kind of sense of theatre, I suppose, in terms of a big game uh, in, in the Scottish second tier. But and again, I'm not always too keen on teams coming out to music, but they came out to it was uh, fucking in the bushes by Oasis. But it just felt <laughs> like remember they come out that every week. I've no idea. Presumably they do, but just it all felt it all felt very very good. But you're right, and certainly in terms of first half, as much as it was a big build up, certainly first half was not great, I suppose. But the, but the second half was decent. What I wish about the the entire game was it was tense. Uh, I'm not entirely sure that both either team played to. 
how well they could. But it felt fairly significant in terms of our result, I suppose. Well, I suppose we might as well just cut to it. Just let's get to the goal. It's one of the goals of the season. It's an absolutely beautiful goal. And it's beautiful from start to finish. Like I've watched it back about nine or ten times to appreciate it. The pass in from Sam Stanton, about a 30-yard reverse pass to play Dylan Easton in. And when he gets the ball, he's going away from goal. It's like um, Declan Gallagher comes over to, to basically marshal him away from goal. All of a sudden, like Easton sort of swivels and stands him up. I think it's like, is it Scott McMahon that comes mm-hmm. over to sort of give him a hand? He gets he gets left behind. Craig Sibbald comes over to, to give him a hand. And then just before it's too late, when he sort of takes the ball, he's making the space for himself to shoot. Jordan Tilson sort of comes over a wee bit too late because as soon as Tilson comes over, the ball's off Easton's foot into the net. And when Easton runs away to celebrate, it's amazing. But there's a bit where Tilson seems to scream, how? Like, you know, that's sort of like the ball's in the back of the net. He's in this thing where he's sort of like his hands at his side and he just sort of comes in like, how? And I suppose that, that just sums it up. Like one, I mean, it's, a, it's an amazing goal. Easton's having an amazing season. And that, that, is, that has been the apex of the season so far, scoring the winning goal in as big a game as that. And such a good goal. But the same token for Dundee United, how can a player get past three players inside the penalty box. I mean, there's a point where, like, Alan Temple uh, made this point on Twitter during the week, and the point where Dylan Leeson picks the ball up, I mean, he's so far wide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he has his back to goal, and there's so many players between him and the goal, it's like, how on earth can he score from here? And I, I get it in terms of his, he's got his Dungeon United's uh, reporting hat on. And yes, there are, uh, I suppose, deficiencies from a, a defensive perspective. But the reason that he was able to score from there is because he's just an outrageously good footballer. Yeah. I mean, the fact that he was able to, able to slalom away from, from three defenders, see, as soon as he left it, see, as soon as it left his foot, I was up. Like, even though I didn't have the best angle of it, I was like, that's in. Like, I just knew as soon as he hit it and the, like, the way it curled around Walton, it was just a fantastic, fantastic goal. And it, it was a weird game. Like, not much happened in the first half. I was surprised by Dungeon United in terms of how they approached the game. Uh, the second half was certainly more even. But I odd game in terms of how it how it panned out. And I, I think if there's, I think the Rovers fans that were there, that's now two games that, that I've watched them against Dungeon United. I don't think there's much between the teams. Certainly mm. in terms of an attacking sense. Defensively, I think United are, are a good bit better. In terms of going forward, I'm not quite so sure to be honest I think the, the things that I noticed in the game it's uh, perhaps uh, I was mostly paying attention to the chances it's quite difficult to get an idea of the pattern of play but what I read online was that it did seem quite a cagey game that was really only lit up by like one incredible moment like United had a couple of chances they had a shot I think it's um, Chris Mockery had a shot actually Dubrovsky made a really good save from it pushed it past the post I think it was uh, Molt might have had a header uh, yep. Sorry, Mo had the shot from distance. Mockery had a header, uh, etc. But the bit where like Dubrovsky is coming under a bit of criticism from himself, I think from Andy Harrow as well, is a bit that sort of not long after the the goal, he came out for a cross and just completely whiffed at it, and it sort of goes to the back post and, and, and was cleared. At, at those moments, when you had a, must have had a pretty good view of that. What was that like when when you're coming under a, a degree of pressure and your goalkeeper does uh, does something like that? In, in fairness. Ah, you're right. So I know exactly what you're talking about. So I was like, oh, geez, oh. But that seemed to be Dungeon United's main 
approach to the game, like get deliveries into the box. So they've done it over and over and over again. I was a wee bit disappointed in, in terms of how they played in general. So they were they were quite they went direct. So Louis Malt, I, I felt Louis Malt was quite isolated. Then it was a case of. Can Glenn Middleton get involved? Can Kai Fotheringham get involved? Yeah. And bear in mind, I, I think both of them have had like reasonably good seasons so far. Yeah, why would you need to go direct if you've got players like that? That you, if you get the ball, get. I mean, that's. I mean, that's the whole would be the whole point of Molt is like get the byline, get those guys to hit the byline, mm-hmm. get balls in because Molt's like one of the best like penalty boxes that like strong and aggressive in there. But that surely that that's what you would think you would look to do. I, I just didn't think United played a lot of football. In, in terms of through the lines, in terms of passing it through the middle, I don't think he created anything. So Middleton was reasonably quiet. Kai Fotheringham was reasonably quiet. They, they got a lot of deliveries in, or a number of deliveries in. But to be fair, I thought Ewan Murray and, and Scott Brown dealt with it reasonably well. Uh, Chris Mockery wasn't really involved. Sibbled done okay. But again, in terms of passing it through the lines, it didn't do it. And whether that's by accident or design, I'm not sure. Maybe they thought the fact that we throw was of Scott Brown, who is essentially a central midfielder playing at centre half. Mm-hmm. We can need to put him under pressure early and often, but it didn't really work. So every time that that, that Moult had a, a kind of a wee kind of chance of, of of kind of shooting a goal, he was outside the box. It was maybe like 25, 30 yards for goal. So I Dabrowski had two good saves, but at the same time. He's six foot five, and both saves I expected him to make. So mm. I, I was, I was reasonably surprised at how, not how poor United were, because I, I think over the piece for, for both games actually at Starts Park and at Tannadice, if I was a United fan, I'd be arguing that United were the better team. However, Wraith Rovers have kept them at arm's length. Mm-hmm. They, they didn't really cough up any any good chances, uh, and and Malt. Aye, like 25 yards, that's where you'd want him to be. Yeah. I, I suppose he is a, a, as a forward to, has he scored much recently? So maybe he's a wee bit low on uh, confidence. I'm not entirely sure. And again, that kind of feeds into this whole thing where United don't have strength and depth, I suppose. Mm, no, that's, that's an interesting point. But Before we come on and, and sort of look a bit at United, we'll take a bit of a, a broader view at them. If Dylan Easton's goal was the best thing that happened in, in the, the box, away from the Ray Throwers fans, Ross Millen's tackle inside the box where you were close to must have been the best thing that happened in there in that entire match. That was in that to see something like that happen in injury time must have been incredible. Aye, Ross Millen just loves celebrating. It's as simple as that. It was pointed out on the Oh No 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 podcast, which is a Wraith Rovers podcast, that they can't remember him actually being booked for a foul. <laughs> so, so everything's just booked on, like for, for is like uh, taking it over exuberance. He's uh, just booked for having a laugh, basically. But he'd, he'd I, I, I'm not entirely sure if it was for that move, but he'd given the ball away at one point, it was quite a slack pass. It might have been the, it might have been that move. I'm not entirely sure, but regardless, you always expected Dungeon United to have one chance. They're going to have one good chance in the last five ten minutes, and then here's Lou Moult advancing on goal. Here it is. Uh, but Mullen's challenge was, I mean, it, it was absolutely perfect. Uh, his kind of timing, the way he kind of dispossessed him. I think it also summed up Moult. The fact they looked a wee bit low in confidence, I suppose. Mm. Like maybe it took an extra touch, I'm not entirely sure. But regardless, 
Mullins uh, challenge and his celebration. And I'll be honest, I, I jumped up and absolutely punched the air. Like, I celebrated it like it was a goal. But I, I also expected it from Mullin, who just who just loves celebrating. And the, the only thing I was a wee bit surprised is they didn't start stripping off the Queen's Park. <laughs> A man who just loves celebrating and, and taking off his clothes. You know, sorry, it's a, it's a strange feeling, like having been at the football watching my own team, like grind out an early one one nil win against one of the league favourites. Like after the match, my thighs were sore. You know that way when you, but you know, do you know, do you know that way when you're standing, it's just you're, you're just tense. You're sort of standing almost like a squat position every time the ball sort of goes into your half into your final third. You're sort of like, oh god, please just just get this ball away. I mean, did you do, do you know what I mean? Have you, you felt like that that before? It wasn't. So probably the first half was where Dun United were on top, but again, didn't really create very much. And then as soon as we scored, I was like, right, class, and we've been the best team for the first. 15 minutes or so for the, the second half. I was like, right, the, this is going to be a long, long half hour. It wasn't really. Like, I, I didn't think that, like, Dungeon United weren't really eking out chances or Dabrowski wasn't really having to claim anything or, or, or make saves. It was reasonably comfortable. Yes, uh, so, so I think there was a corner, I remember like the very, very last minute that was glanced wide, but again, it was a difficult chance, yeah. so, 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 so no. As much as I was, uh, as much as I was tense, I, I thought we were. It was absolutely fine, and and like it's interesting now. So, I thought going into this game, I was thinking to myself, right, when based on, in terms of ninety minutes, Dundee United is the favourites, of course they are. However, I don't think it's impossible for for Wraith to to get something or win. But now I'm I'm thinking this could potentially be extended to the rest of the season. Wow. So yes, Dun United are still still the favourites for the league. But I don't think it's impossible for the Rovers to win it. I genuinely don't. The best thing about it, Sean, was it's it's a, it's now become a meme. And it's the, the picture of you from us up at Montrose. I think it must have been about 2020 on a sort of hospitality day. And the picture's brilliant. It's you sort of like leaning back in a chair, a big daft grin in your face, pouring yourself a red wine. And you tweeted out, it was a quote tweeting a Jim, fucking Jim Spence, a Jim Spence article where he mused, Jim Spence, I'm just asking questions. You know, Jim Spence, like for mine, she stopped talking about the police and the GRR for once. They actually talk about football. And he, he mused if uh, Dundee United could win the league or go, go unbeaten the entire season. I found that very funny. I thought that was very, it, very funny. It, it turns out that Dundee United cannot go the entire <laughs> season unbeaten. Do you know the thing? It was a slight disappointment for that. Somebody quote tweeted that and said, uh, it's bad enough that Dundee United got beat today. Uh, however, the, the fact that I know that this Tory is celebrating oh. uh, is, makes it feel even worse. I was like, come on now, call me anything. A bellend, a wanker, a prick, a Tory? Fuck off. Aye, listen, for, just, just for the avoidance of doubt, Sean uh, was very upset about what happened at Ravenscraig. And ever since then, <laughs> he has refused to vote for the Conservatives again. So just want that. And like, just, for, just a bit of context there for, 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 for our listeners, uh, just to let you know. Uh, but aye, it's been... Well, for the Rovers, Sean, like there's Sam Stanton signed a new two-year deal, or certainly up until tw- another eighteen-month agreement. Certainly, uh, you must be pleased with that. I think any time I've watched the Rovers, like on the on the TV, Stanton's looked class, like a really a good yeah. uh, presence in the middle of the park. Aye, so that that's a start. I mean, there's a number of players who are, are out of contract in the in the summer, and the manager. So mm. I'd like to think that maybe Murray is in contract talks. You've got. 
Ross Mullen. I'd like to see him signed. I'd like to see Byrne signed up on a permanent deal in January if possible. What's Easton's situation? Well, Easton's out of contract in the summer as well. So I would imagine if I was Dylan Easton, I would want another crack at the Premiership. Yeah. Like we've spoken about before the fact that he's essentially became full-time quite late in his career. So if he was given an offer, then then surely he'll take it. Whether it, I hope it's at Wraith Rovers uh, in the Premiership. However, if somebody like, I don't know, like who is going to offer him? Like Dundee? Dundee United maybe? Livingston. offer him a deal? Livingston, no, I'm not entirely sure. St. Johnson? St. Johnson. So yeah. you would imagine, you would imagine there, will be, there will be Premiership clubs after Dylan Easton, and rightly so. So whether Wraith can, can kind of top trump them, we'll, we'll find out. But, but fair play to Dylan Easton. I mean, whatever happens to him, he, he thoroughly deserves it. He's been excellent. Yeah, it's not really a career path you see all often where someone starts off at a, I mean, you start with St. Johnson's career, never really made it, but then went in part-time football and work your way all the way up to the Premiership. I think we were talking about it in the Terrace Podcast group chat and the only player who came up was Alan Lithgow, who's mm-hmm. had quite a, quite a strange career, obviously, like, was at Hearts as a youth player, left there in fairly murky circumstances uh, and signed for Clyde, of course he what he did. Uh, and then was obviously excellent at Clyde in a terrible, a terrible Clyde team, and then sort of just worked his way through part-time football. So he goes to Livingston, and ends up playing the top flight uh, yeah. with with them there. So who knows? I mean, let's face it, he's, he's twenty nine, so this is his, this will be his last chance. He's not going to get another Premiership offer after this, you would imagine. So if Wraith can match it, he's enjoying his football. He stays local. I think he stays in the Fairland. Yeah. So he he would certainly be tempted by whatever Wraith put in front of him, but. If you get something from, I don't know, Dundee, for example, mm. then fair play. Why wouldn't you take it? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're, you're you're being realistic about about it as well. There's some people are like, why would you want to leave? He's playing great football. Just now, everyone loves him. It's like, I because because Dundee, I could probably pay him more money. So it's just it's as it's as simple as that. But I, before we move on to Dundee United, Sean, I'm going to ask you one question: Are Rangers going to win the division? Yes. <laughs> I'm amazing. <laughs> I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll move move on and, and talk about United. I'm just wondering. I've got to sound like Charlie Nicholas. I'm just sitting here thinking. <laughs> but I'm wondering if there's perhaps now a bit of pressure on on Jim Goodwin. And I say this because being, he's, he came into the club. I was I was looking at his time at, at Dundee United. Obviously, he came into the club in March earlier in the year. Perhaps a, still time to save the season, but I think the, the rot had well and truly set in by this point. Like Mark Birigiti was never going to get it better. Like players like Charlie Mulgrew was just like a massive disappointment, like really, yep. really poor at, at United. So the, the rot had, had set in by this point. I think it would have been difficult to, to try and turn that around. But this season, you know, you come in, you you lose in the League Cup, you, you lose to the Spartans. Their first game was an SPFL side. You get turned over at Ainsley Park. You get knocked out of the group stages, but then that's very much in the rear view mirror because you start doing so well in the league. But then you mean you get knocked out of the Challenge Cup by Falkirk. Now, the Challenge Cup isn't like, there's obviously fairly low on Dundee United's list of priorities, but nevertheless, they'd have been favourites to win that competition. Mm-hmm. And the next week, in fact, I think the same week, the same week actually, you get knocked out the Scottish Cup by Queen of the South on penalties. Uh, yeah, under, probably under most circumstances, United would have won that game. I think Queen of the South have really rode their luck. But nevertheless, you, you still got knocked out of the competition. And now you're, you're, you're trailing in the league, where, where it's like, regardless, you, you win all the rest of your games, you're still two points behind. If, if teams both keep on winning, you're still going to be two points behind. 
So I just I just kind of wonder if when it comes to these big games, if Goodwin's really the the, the right man to 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 be there. Obviously, obviously the players only take responsibility as well, but he's the one that that picks them, sets them up, signed them, etc. I think there's pressure now, certainly. I mean, you're right in terms of what you're saying. Uh, I mean, even if you go back a wee bit further, so they so lost to Falkirk, and you're right. I mean, how much how much kind of emphasis are they putting on the Challenge Cup? I would say none. But I looked at so the I, team, Sean. I looked at that team just thinking... Strong, well, strong team. Yeah, I was thinking, well, they yeah, must have rested team. a couple of players, but I looked at that no. earlier today and thinking, no, that's a, that's a good mm-hmm. side they put out there. So lost to Falkirk. They lost to Queen of South. And you're right, another day they, they would have won that. They dropped points to Inverness. Which kind of mm. went, kind of maybe didn't quite get as, uh, as as much attention. They uh, kind of squeaked past there, like one 0 but it wasn't a great performance. They've now lost to to, to Wraith. I would expect them to to beat Queens Park on on Friday night. Then they have a, a more difficult game, I suppose, against Patrick Thistle the week after. But then by the same token, I I said they would struggle against Patrick Thistle the last time they played them. And I think they put five past them. So we'll see what happens. But I, I do think that there is... They aren't playing well at the moment. They're, they're certainly not sweeping teams uh, aside. They're only... They're only... In terms of forward, like they have Louis Moult. Mm-hmm. And we spoke about... We spoke about Tony Watt at the start of the season. That we didn't necessarily fans him to be a, a kind of line leader, I suppose. It, it feels like you need somebody else in January. And if you can do that, if you can extend their budget a wee bit more to, to bring in a forward, I think that'll help them immensely. But I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that everything feels great at this moment in time for United. Well, one final thing, Sean, there were a lot of comments in the build-up to this game. A lot of uh, the, the Scottish football big brains seemed unhappy that this match wasn't on the television. And you know the guys I'm talking about. You're talking about your SPFL media watch, you're improving Scottish footballs, your Scottish sports marketing, you know, your big brains. Guys, that are, you know the type, bad hairlines, very softly spoken, mostly wear glasses or contact lenses in some instances. I mean, I would have wanted to watch this game. Like I, want, I would have wanted to see it on the Friday night, but I appreciate that these, I think it was Amy Canavan in, in, in our Terrace Podcast group chat, obviously she works with you, she was able to put it in context, that these games are picked well in advance. Yeah. And there's a probably, a, a, maybe a correct school of thought, Obviously, that's that degree of ambiguity now. A school of thought where there's games being saved up at Tannadice because United are, there was a thing that United were going to win the league. So all these games are planned out in advance. I think last season, when you had uh, Queen's Park versus Dundee, Oakville View, that was by luck that they that they alighted in that one. That was a, a title yeah. game. You're only allowed two games a season there. So I, mean, I can understand it from a logistical point of view, from a rules point of view and so on. I was disappointed that I couldn't watch it because I 100% wanted to see it. However, I also appreciate that football isn't a television show. It's not mm-hmm. that it shouldn't be there to cater to, uh, to, to a bunch of people that, 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 that have no real vested interest, just want a game in the telly. And I, I, I'm more delighted. I didn't get to see it, sure. But you got to go there with, two, with, with thousands of other people, your mates, all wearing blue hats on a Saturday. And and that's more important. And I think that the way some of these guys talk, it's like they've they've never been to a live game before. They don't know what it feels like. And, and that's not I mean, obviously they, they, they just obviously they have, but just the way they talk, it just like every with the they just they're too they're too big brains to actually to, to, to have any heart in it. Do you know what I mean? And it's like yes. I, it's it just feels like feels like that that's what I felt like. I don't, would have wanted to see it, yes. Can understand why it wasn't a television, yes. I'm pleased that you got to go there and see it with your mates and it was special for you. 
delighted for that. Mm-hmm. Delighted. For I, that. I, I, and by the same by the same token, I was like, oh, I wonder if Falkirk Hamilton's on at half five again mm. on uh, on BBC because I, I would have watched it. But at the same time, like I want to go to games at three o'clock on a Saturday. Yeah, of course, of course. And, and like, I like, I go every week, and I want to go to games at three o'clock on a Saturday. I don't want to go to games at half twelve. I don't like I, ideally don't really want to go to games on a Friday night. Mm-hmm. And I'm not entirely sure why. And and I know people are saying, "Oh, this is a big game. I want to watch it." Why are we being disadvantaged by the fact that the game has to take place at, at three o'clock on a Saturday? Right, but by the same token, bring it back to me. Why would I be disadvantaged by having to go to a game on a Friday night or at half twelve on a Saturday or at half twelve on a Sunday or whatever the alternative would be? There were empty seats there. See if you want to see it, go along, go along and watch it. You absolutely could. So no, I that that kind of narrative was annoying me on 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 Saturday as well about the fact that it wasn't on television. Like see see if the part of the reason that the game was so good, part of the reason that the day was so good was because the attendance was, was, was so strong. Of course, of course. And if, see if it being a Friday night or a Saturday morning or Sunday or whatever, I don't, you could probably take, I don't know, a thousand off the attendance. Definitely. And I think that, I mean, you, we're going to talk about it for a League One game, the match between the Ackies and Falkirk. You look at the behind the goal, Falkirk had, what, they sold at their allocation, about 2,000 people there. If that had been a half-five kickoff, would they have sold out? Maybe because Falkirk, like that's one thing you've got to give their fans a lot of credit is there's no matter how bad the team is, they will still go and support the team. But when you're watching those highlights and you see like like Falkirk scoring like uh, Calvin Miller's goal, what the hell, like an amazing goal like that, and that whole stand bouncing and people in celebration, that's great, and and that's that that's great. I mean, it's I appreciate there's like a product to be sold and all that, but I just think that sometimes people just I, just they just can't. They're, they're too big picture. They're, they're just some, some of these people are too big. And it annoys me. And I don't know why it annoys me because it shouldn't. Because it's just like, it's just people with, 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 with uh, subscriptions for Twitter accounts. But it annoys me. And it just feels like you don't, you just, you don't go to games. It feels like you don't go to games. You don't have the heart and, and to appreciate what it's like to be there on a Saturday. The build up to a game where you wake up and, and that's, that, that's the, the thing right smack bang in the middle of your day. I'm going to the football and everything's built around that. Not like, oh, I'm working earlier on a Friday night, then I've got to get to the football. Or, oh, it's, it's, it's really early doors, so I've got to get there straight. The fact that you can plan your whole day and that is the centerpiece, that is the flagship event of the day, that's that's a good feeling. And, and I, I just these guys, just I don't think they get that. I, I think we need to encourage as many people as possible to go to games. Mm-hmm. Like that, for me, that's the most important thing in, in Scottish football because Scottish football, unlike most countries is reliant on people coming through the door so they we need to encourage as many people as possible to, to go through themselves and watch games and if we're putting it on on a Friday night or a half 12 on a Saturday or a Sunday or whatever then we are discouraging people uh, from from going through the turnstiles so that ultimately is doesn't it feel right to me and I, I understand people being disappointed that they can't watch it of course I, I get that but by the same token I was like, oh, I'd love to watch Hamilton Falkirk on, on Saturday night. But I couldn't, because it was three o'clock on a Saturday. And if I was a, a Hamilton fan or a Falkirk fan, that's exactly when I would want to watch it. So Exactly. So fine. 
Exactly. So that, that, is, that dovetails us very nicely. We've already set the scene a wee bit. This is our League One feature match. Hamilton Academical 1, Falkirk 3. Wasn't quite as seismic as that game at the top of the championship, but it's a massive game in the third tier. And this will be vital in determining where the title goes. Uh, the Bairns came out on top here. Cal Morrison opened the scoring from the penalty spot. Lewis Smith pulled the Aki's level shortly afterwards. But then Calvin Miller put Falkirk back ahead quickly afterwards. And Morrison put the game beyond doubt with about 11 or so minutes remaining. Falkirk are now back at the top of the table, three points ahead of Aki's, but crucially, they've played one game less and they're now the only unbeaten side left in the SPFL. I mean, the last meet between the sides, that was a, that was a dismal nil-nil draw in Grangemouth. This was a far tastier affair and certainly going by the highlights, good highlights package as always from Falkirk TV, Seem pretty one-sided. I think Falkirk looked very, very deserved winners here. I do. Do you know what I think is a? a, a I was think was a, a reasonably good comparison. Remember last season where, like Dunfermline, just had the bit between their teeth, and there was something about them between the the management team and the players and the fans. And yes, there was a wee spell where Falkirk felt like they were reeling them in. And then they had a very one-sided game at, at East End Park. Yeah, the one in March, that was a sort of that yeah. was a league decider. It, it kind of felt like it was a wee bit like this in terms of, I, Hamilton have done very well this season, like far better than, than I expected them to. Than I expected them to. However, that that travelling support, the the kind of unity that there is between the the fans, the the kind of management team and John McGlynn, the the, the players. And it looked like a reasonably one-sided game, like that felt like a statement. And on top of that, it wasn't just a, it was just the three points. It was injuries that that Hamilton racked up. So Ryan Fulton went off. Uh, Lee Kilday was injured. Uh, Scott Martin was injured. Mm. That that might be Hamilton's three best players. I don't know how long the the three of them are going to be out, but ultimately, I think it'll be that that felt like serious ramifications in terms of. Hamilton's ability to claw this deficit back. Yeah, it felt as though that, I mean, Hamilton's best chances came from set pieces. Their yeah. goal came from like a, a really terrible piece of goalkeeping from yep. uh, from from Nicky Hogarth. They are really indecisive there. But as as bad as as bad as they were, and as bad as things could be for them with, with the three best players that are injured, it's like with Falkirk, it's it was it just showed you how important that attacking trident is. Mm-hmm. To, to how they play because you had Ross McKeever up front he played a massive part in um, I think it was the goal? Miller's goal he wins the flick on to set up yep. Miller and then there's Callum Morrison getting two goals Callum Morrison uh, Calvin Miller uh, scores one Calvin, Calvin Miller sets up one Aidan Nisbet wins the penalty uh, through, through a handball so those four players all played a massive part in that and on top of that they're, they're, they, they, they defended other than the goal Defended very well. I think Tom Lang, Cole Donaldson looked like they had good games. Brad Spencer continues to be such an important player for uh, for for Falkirk, and it just feels like that that I that was like a it was a game where everything seemed to go right for Falkirk and nothing seemed to go right for for Hamilton, and it could be that sliding doors one similar to that that game in March last season. This feels like a big one, even at this stage of the season. Yeah. Because I, I I thought that Hamilton could have given them a game on Saturday and, and maybe in different circumstances, if, if those players hadn't went off injured, maybe it would have turned it differently. However, based on the based on the highlights, based on everything I've I've kind of read as well, it felt quite one sided. And yeah. I think 
I think Falkirk probably in terms of the times of the goals. So yeah, the goal one nil up, uh, and then Hamilton equalised. Whether it was, let me twenty eight. All the goals, those first, the first three goals were scored in about a ten minute spell. Yeah, so they, I think they equalised in the twenty eighth minute. Yep. And then at that point, it's like, right, well, are Hamilton now going to get a foothold in the game? No, because Hamilton scored in the thirty second minute. So suddenly, like again, momentum swings, and then they like John Rankin who I'm, I'm not entirely sold on, to be fair, he made a, a, a kind of wealth of substitutions. And then for the last 10 minutes, I, I suppose if you're a Falkirk fan, you're starting to worry about the fact that it's 2-1. Things are starting to get a wee bit kind of worrying here. But then Falkirk made a 3-1 with, with, with 10 minutes ago. So in terms of the timings of the goals, it was ideal as well. And, and Nicky Hogarth, as much as he was at fault for the the equaliser, like his kicking, like his kicking is ridiculous. So see for the the goal that that put Falker two one, his 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 goal kick must have went. I mean, it must have went three quarters of the length of the park, which eventually, like I think Stephen Henry had a pretty poor header. But then you're right, like McKeever had a very good flick on, and and Miller's finish. I mean, Miller M- Miller has been so important to them. It, of the three players they signed at roughly the same day. In terms of Tom Lang, Brad Spencer, and Calvin Miller, all of them have been yeah. excellent. I, I think arguably Miller has been the one that's been maybe the best of the three. I, I don't know. I think it's it's very difficult to put your finger on who's been the best because they've all brought so much to the mm-hmm. so much to that team. You know, like like Tom Lang, just a big strapping meat and potatoes yep. defender, something that they haven't had for a while. Like Brad Spencer, someone that's controlled the, mid- the middle of the park can. Can can tackle someone who can get the ball forward. Someone who can chip in with the odd goal from time to time. They haven't had that for a long time. And then Miller's just. I think it's they have had like I think Callum Morrison is is a really good player. It's just consistency's been his big thing. That's yeah. why he's that's why he's playing for Falkirk ultimately. I think that mm-hmm. like I, I, players in Scotland, and I'm talking like like players in the SPFL. There are guys who play like guys who play for like Elgin and Forfar and Clyde who on their day, could play for premiership clubs, could play in the top, but just their day doesn't come around often enough. And that's why you're playing further down the food chain. It's, it's like Morrison's day, like like Morrison's a very, very talented player. He's got the talent to play at that level. His, his day just doesn't come around often enough, and that's why he's playing at Falkirk. However, his day seems to be coming around fairly frequently this season. And you're seeing that with the, the goals. I mean, like just, not to skip ahead, but the, the confidence he showed for that third goal, and uh, you, you know, I Kyle McDonald got himself in a bit of a fankle. Like I think he was about to cut out Miller's pass and seemed to stumble and 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 get let Morrison in. But the fact that he just needs one touch to steady it, then shoots from the edge of the area, so confident that ball's going to going to go in. That's that's really impressive. Yeah, I'd be interested to see what happens with him in, in the summer because I, I I think he's excellent, and I think his contract's up in the summer. The fact that you would now expect Falkirk to, to win that league and get promoted to the, the the championship, they absolutely will be giving them offering them a new deal. But I do suspect that there'll be teams in the, the premiership that will be that would fancy Morrison signing for them in, in the summer. So be interested to see what happens to him. So imagine uh, if you're Dundee, you can expect to sign Dylan Easton and Callum Morrison at some point. Uh, I got I got to say, man, like I, I was a bit disappointed. Falkirk TV, very good highlights. They missed Miller's goal, you know how it cuts off. It, it seemed to cough. The camera doesn't like pan around to catch it. However, 
Hamilton Ackies have uploaded the entire game to to YouTube. Somebody posted them on Pie and Bovril, so and they said like basically just skip to this time. It's like one hour, one minute to watch it. Holy fuck, by the way. I think it's a Pixelot camera. It's the only time I've actually enjoyed watching Pixelot highlights. <laughs> but the, 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 the gold finish, the finish is superb. Like, he gets the flick in from McKeever, one touch, and just, it's like, there's no way Fulton's saving that. Such a well-hit shot. And because that camera is quite, like, far away, you can really see the, the Falkirk fans behind the goal absolutely bouncing. Brilliant scenes. You're right, it was disappointing, but the... And see, in terms of the the away supports, I, I suppose similar to the experience that Rovers fans had on on, on Saturday, the fact that Falkirk were able to to sell out the away end, mm. and every time the camera panned to them, certainly in terms of the the celebrations for the goals, like, I, I don't know what it is about running downstairs when your team scored a goal, like that just looks good. But the, the fact that the stand is kind of up in the air, or yeah. that's how it looks. It almost felt unsafe or looked a bit unsafe, you, but it also looked like a really good laugh. Do you remember, Sean? I think it might have been at, at East End Park, Norrie McCarthy stand. There was a video, this is about 10 years ago, somebody scored a goal and there's a guy running down the stairs holding a toddler's hand. Do you know the video I'm talking about? And he sprints down, dragging this bear behind him to celebrate. Do you know the video I'm talking about? Yeah! <laughs> But just, I would advise if I was, I mean, bear in mind like the the kind of situation that that Falkirk have found themselves in for the last whatever it is, six, five seven years. years. Uh, five years they've been they've been. Down I mean, that last. must be their best away day for a long, long time. But it looked, I mean, it, it looked class to be a part of that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think I've said not, not to give Falkirk fans too much credit, but they've they always like they always turn out for their team. They always turn mm-hmm. out for the team, and it's there. There are supporters who there are sort of teams who have got a very latent support who will like sort of come and go depending on on mm-hmm. the team's fortunes. But Falkirk will will always be. They'll always turn out in their thousands, and they'll they'll do it even if it's a, especially when they're doing well. They what they they've got a big support, and that's something that the team that the team should be um, uh, impressed with. They've 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 bulked up the numbers, Sean. There they've taken advantage of. Edinburgh City's misfortune. They signed Ryan Shanley. Um, he's one of several players that have left uh, the capital sinking club. I think they've yet to actually put a statement out to say what's going on. I think I, I read in Pine Ball that, that might be happening tonight, Wednesday, the 20th of uh, December. But I mean, you've had Danny Handling's going to Breakin City. Callum Crane's just signed for Still and Albion. Lee Hamilton's joined Clyde. And there's Ryan Shanley uh, brought fault, got, gone to Falkirk. What do you think that he can add to, to the Burns? I, I think he will be a, a decent sign. It was interesting in terms of looking at comments saying, oh, if he can screw them up, it should be a good signing for Falkirk. So maybe Edinburgh fans, well, presumably Edinburgh fans, know a lot more about him than, than I do. I think that he is a kind of all-action forward. Maybe like maybe what they expected from Jordan Allen but didn't quite get, they will get from, from Ryan Shanley. And they probably need somebody who, I mean, let's face it, McKeever, like McGlynn will play one up front. So McKeever is is Plan A. So if uh, if Shanley is happy to be Plan B, then I think they'll be absolutely fine with that. I mean, McKeever showed you exactly what he can bring to a game. Like goal scoring wise, that's kind of dropped off a bit, but he's still winning everything uh, in the air. Oh, he's so is, he's so important to how, so important. how Falker, Even if he's not yep. scoring, the the three mm-hmm. players that are in behind him will will, will score. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think that. Unfortunately, I don't think Jordan Allen is a particularly great plan B. I think Ryan Shanley will be a, a far better plan B. And and maybe more similar to 
to, to, to McKeever, but maybe we get a, a, a goal scoring emphasis and then Allen would, would bring to the team. I, I think it was a, a decent signing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's always a difficult thing if you've got a, if you play like one up top, it's, it's very, very difficult to bring, especially who is doing so well this season, it's very difficult to try and sell it to a player. Mm-hmm. Do you want to come in and play second fiddle to this guy? You might get 10 minutes from time to time, but you're, 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 you're very much like plan B. And I think that Falkirk have got the carrot of full-time football. Maybe that was what they used to entice Jordan Allen in. Hasn't necessarily worked. Paid money to sign him as well, which uh, I, that's, that, that's baffling. I can't actually see him going on loan to Clyde. Actually, I think that's, where, where, that's just a pure yeah. guess. I can, see, I can see him going on loan to Clyde for the end of the season. But yeah, Shanley did well in a fairly middling Edinburgh side. So I think he could, he could do well for for a Falkirk team where everyone really seems to be enjoying themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned Hamilton. You said you, you were surprised by their season overall. I mean, they've led, they, they, they've gone into this match. They were uh, ahead on Falkirk and goal difference. Do you think that Falkirk being on top of the table, we're going to see any change of that between now and the end of the season? I, th- I think it might be a struggle. So you look at f- certainly Falkirk's next few games, so they have... Annan, I think away. Should, uh, You'd Annan. expect them to beat them. Then I think they have three home games in a row in terms of league. So they have, there might be something along the lines of Stirling Albion, Queen of the South, and then Cove. Maybe not necessarily in that order, but certainly those three teams. Cove's are game in hand, isn't it? That was yes. that, that was during the, the snow, they couldn't get the pitch. Yep. Or Cove couldn't travel down, something yeah. like that. Something along the lines. And then, and then they might play Edinburgh. So that's the next five games. So you wouldn't put it beyond Falkirk to win the next five which means you probably need Falkirk to win the vast majority of their games coming up. And then even in the, the, the kind of two games that they face each other going forward, you would imagine that Falkirk, uh, sorry, that Hamilton might need to take four points for, for those six. It's just, I, 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 would been, I would now be very surprised if Hamilton win this league. I, I, I think they'll probably have to settle for, for a second. I just, just, even just based on this 90 minutes, if you want to base it on 90 minutes, uh, Falkirk looked far, far superior. I think it's probably important to say that, that Falkirk could only sign Ryan Shanley through this at the Falkirk Supporters Society, the FSS. They are, I think it's a, somebody will need to, who knows knows what's going on better than me. But I think it's effectively like a, a basically a subscription service for fans yeah. where, where, you, where you pay in, you pay in money and so on. And, and the club have used that money to effectively pay for, for Shanley's wages. I always feel that comes with a, a greater degree of pressure with that for the club to get it right because it's not like your money it's like the fans money ultimately it's all the fans money like season tickets and all that but when it's this sort of ring fence money that, that supporters have gone above and beyond to contribute I do think there's more pressure to get it right but nevertheless there's Falkirk are able to augment their squad using donations from the FSS you can't imagine Hamilton being able to go out and, and strengthen their squad to the same degree I mean not to not to get into crowd wanking and all that but it's like you looked at the you looked at the away stand at New Douglas Park, and you looked at the home stand, and I would I'm, just purely by looking at watching the highlights, I thought there were more fans in the away end than there were over the the home the home end. I'd, I'd far more. I mean, I don't know what the away end holds at Hamilton, but two thousand. I'm going to assume two thousand, given they sold at their allocation for it. Well, then I'm amazed that the entire attendance was three thousand eight hundred because it didn't look like that Hamilton had eighteen hundred there. No, they're a couple so, so you're right. I, I mean, I mean, I, I, I think where Hamilton have very much benefited this season is the, the fact they have a new owner, and he's he's clearly allowed them to to, to sign new players. 
uh, if he's still generous in January, then fine, they can maybe bring players in. But in, in terms of what they're bringing in through the, the turnstiles, I'd imagine they're at the limit. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And just one final thing to say. I mean, we've complained about Sean Elderbrandt's commentary on Falkirk TV and saying that he's too good. That he, he Him being too good is ruining it. I actually want to turn that around. The fact that Falkirk are doing so well on the pitch at the moment and they look like they're going to win the title, I'd much rather hear him commentating on the games than uh, the other guys previously. Yes, uh, not very much so. I yeah. mean, uh, if if we if we do have to watch Falkirk win the league, then I would like to hear Sean Elderbrandt describing it. Yeah, when when Falkirk were were losing, like when Falkirk lost six nil to Queens Park at Fur Hill, I really enjoyed the Falkirk TV commentary from from, from like Paul Sheeran's last game. It was when Mackenzie Lemon like uh, basically tripped over his own shoelaces. When when I watched that game, I, I watched it live, and there was my house next door was up for sale, or was up for rent, and there was there was literally people viewing it as Airdrie were were like going in three, four, five nil in front, and I was absolutely screaming at the top of my head. So I can only presume that I put off those renters from uh, <laughs> from moving next door to me. Now, before we go on to our third and final game from League Two, I just want it to be known that I am watching the Curse of Humpty Dumpty on Amazon Prime. That's in the, the background here. Um, I don't know if it, for, for our people who are watching on YouTube. There we go. I'm just going to tweak that around so Fowler's not done for, for copyright. <laughs> uh, it looks terrible. However, uh-huh. I'm, I'm probably going to watch this uh, again uh, when we're not recording so I can make full benefit of it. It looks, um, it looks absurd. How, how, is the, how is the character of, of Humpty Dumpty being portrayed? I'm interested to, to hear that. Oh, he's very malevolent. Very malevolent, but but is he an egg? He's certainly he, he's certainly oval shaped, yeah. But he's got a he's got a thing in his in his mouth. It's like an exit, like set set of mandibles, almost like uh, the predator. All right, okay. So yeah. so it's literally a horror film. Yeah, no, it's a horror. It's called the Curse of Humpty Dumpty. What do you think it's going to be a, a rom com? Well, I, I, I mean, I presumed it was a horror, but I just wanted to double check. No, it's very much a horror. I think there's a woman who's who's writing loads of things in a notebook as well. Right. But listen, I'll report back. I'll watch it, and we'll and so we'll record a second podcast uh, to go. That'll be the bonus podcast uh, for this for this evening. Uh, a review of the Curse of Humpty Dumpty. Oh, what's he done now, Humpty Dumpty? Oh, he's pulled himself together and just kicked someone in. Anyway, we're not here <laughs> to talk about the Curse of Humpty Dumpty. We're here to talk about Forfra Athletic Two. Dumbarton 4 there was there was no top of the table clash taking place in League 2 this weekend so we just went for one of the most goals and it took place at Station Park this was a humdinger of a game to be honest uh, goals being traded all over the place Jinky Hilton scored for the Suns and Josh Skelly scored for the Loons there were three goals in three minutes at the end of the first half Matty Shields scored for the Suns Seb Ross scored for the Loons Finlay Gray scored for the Suns and then just now Mark Tony Wallace scored for the Suns and that was all she wrote. An important victory for Dumbarton. They're still in third place, but they've kept pace with Stennis Spear and Peterhead at the summit of the division. And a really tasty three-horse race for that title is developing. And far from meanwhile, just is not happening for them this season. One point from the last four matches. They're in eighth place. And it really feels like Raymond McKinnon, Mr. Raymond McKinnon, is hanging on by his fingernails here. Aye, I mean, let's face it, there's two managers, I would say, in the SPFL this season where I have been amazed that they are, are still in situ, I suppose, at, at their clubs. Like, in, in fairness, the other one was Marvin Bartley. 
Uh, and, and every week I'm like, right, he must be away now. He must be away now. Didn't he see my happen? In fairness, he's, he's, Marvin Battle's now probably given him a, a wee bit of time. Maybe the, the January transfer window, so, so fair play. But Ray McKinnon, I mean, in terms of, has there been another club in the four divisions this season who have been, who have underperformed compared to where we expected them to be? Like we 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 thought Queens, they would be Queens. Queens have been the most disappointing pound for pound. Okay, although in fairness, in the in the preview podcast, I said they would finish eighth. But G- I, I told totally... Queen of the South. Oh, sorry, I, I thought you meant Queens Park. Oh, they oh they've fucked. There's been I'd, I'd say maybe revise it, Sean. There've been a number of clubs that have been disappointing. But yes, fuck, Queen I, Queen Queens Park shit really shit. But in terms of forfeit, like in terms of like yeah. we thought that they would be challenging for promotion, they're now very much in the the, the kind of relegation uh, shakeup, and so every single week it brings a, a, a fresh defeat. And bear in mind, like the end of last season as well, like as much as as, as Ray McKinnon came in and moved them up the the table, they kind of moved a wee bit back down. I know you you don't necessarily include last season in terms of form, but this this poor run of form has went on for a long long time now. And um, I, I presumed when we said we would discuss this game, I was like, I think McKinnon will be away by the time we record the podcast. But here we are; he, he's still he, he's still in place, and I'm I'm not entirely sure. I'm not entirely sure I understand it. I think it's, if you want to to get a grip of how Forfar fans are feeling, a lot of the time when 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 to get fan sentiment, what we do is you read Pine Bob, you talk to people about the game. I mean, for instance, for a Dumbarton perspective, I was texting Fraser Clark earlier today after watching the goals for this game and just basically saying, like, I thought three of Dumbarton's four goals are three of the most aesthetically pleasing goals I've seen this Class. season. Well, come on. Mm-hmm. I mean, even even the corner, even the one that Tony Wallace scored from a corner is a lovely goal. But we'll come on and talk about them shortly. So I was texting him just for, just for his thoughts on the game. I always really enjoy talking to, to Fraser about football. Really, really good guy. But it's like, you read Pine Borrell, talk to supporters. I think all you need to do to understand how Forfa fans are feeling is just listen to, to these match highlights because there are three times during this game where the, the fans are openly booing. They openly boo when, when Matty Shields puts Dumbarton in front. They boo at the half-time whistle. They boo when Tony Wallace puts them back up front. And there's a big boo right at the very end at the full-time whistle. And I think as well what they do at Forfar is that because... Been, yeah, I was going to say, yes. I've, been beat, yes, yeah. I've been beat at Station Park a good few times. Their gantry for, for the camera is right on the halfway line. And it's a really good service. I really like Forfar TV. I think it's, it's good that you get a good feel for the game and, and the replays are always really good and so on. But aye, any time there's bad language, Straight away, kill the audio. Kill the audio. The audio was killed a good number of times in these highlights. So I think it's fair to say that based on those alone, the booing, the fact that audio was killed for the bad language, Forfa fans are not happy. And and we we had them pegged. You're right, I suppose, actually, to, to the point you said earlier, from expectation to where they were, Forfa have been one of the most disappointing because... Ah, you could say Queen of the South. Nobody expected them to challenge for the title. You expect them to finish in the playoffs. Queen's Park. They're in a really bad season. Forfar, though, I expected them to be up there with um, Dumbarton and Steny at, at the title, miles off it. And then the fact that they're, I think it's 13 points behind the Spartans and five points ahead of Clyde in, in 10th place, miles off it. it it's funny you, you talk about the what I, I presume is muting to, to delete out the, the swearing. I even think I've, I've pinpointed which fan it is. 
there was a fan, I think when he goes 2-1 down, and he starts shouting, wakey, wakey. He sounds like an old guy. He's shouting, wakey, wakey, for for. I'm adamant he's the one that's, that's dropping F-bombs and C-bombs <laughs> that have decided that they, 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 they cannot possibly include. But aye, this is just like a, a really, really, just a, a really, really fun game. And yeah. I think for, for a lot of it, it could have went either way. But until as soon as the band got that fourth goal, that was when the when the game was sealed. Yeah, like Forford might have had a penalty at three two. Don't think so. so. I mean, I mean, there's been so. a lot of games this season where Forford have just been like clearly second best and just been dreadful. If you're Ray McKinnon, you might point to this one and say, "Well, there there are some positives." But regardless, results wise, they have been absolutely dreadful this season. I think they'll have enough to to stay up. But I still don't. I'm still amazed that McKinnon is is there essentially. Yeah, I just, I just it hasn't worked out. That's you say it has not worked out, and you think that from him coming in to the positive start that they had in the League Cup for about the first mm-hmm. like seven months of the season, you're thinking that this this team are really going to go places. To just completely fallen off the face of the earth. I mean, I watched his post match interview. He acknowledged like like bad luck. He acknowledged that. The the fact that I mean the first goal, who who, who scored who scored the first goal? J- Jinky Hilton's goal. Hilton yep. was amazing as well. There's nothing to say. Yep. We'll, we'll talk about fourth. We'll come on and talk about Dum- Dumbarton. It's because it's, uh, it's a very much a, a contrasting performance. Terrible bad luck. Like I mean, there's James Hilton having a shot, and the thing like clatters off the in the inside of Thomas Brindley. It goes like inside between his legs, hits off the inside of his thigh, and, and deflects into the net. And McKinnon made the point. It was like, when you're down, you're down. I think he said it's the third goal in as many games they've lost to, to a deflection taken away from Mark McCallum. That's bad luck. The penalty. I I don't think it was. I don't think it was a penalty. I, I mean, it happens very quickly. But the ball's played into the uh, played over uh, Aaron Linus's head to to Josh Kelly. He's going in and goal. I think he anticipates Sean Crichton coming behind him. You can see the way he sort of changes his position. He sort of like braces his his, his thighs for impact. And, and then Crichton sort of, when Crichton makes contact, and when I say makes contact with him, sort of like nudges into him, he goes down looking for it. Whereas I think he's just like buying out a confidence that, that a confident player tries to get the shot away. But Josh Kelly isn't confident in the moment, and that's why he goes Maybe, looking for I mean, the penalty I mean, bear, instead. Bear in mind, the, bear in mind, they already had a goal in this game, albeit from albeit the a, spot, yeah, yeah, albeit from the penalty spot. So I, I, I thought he got bars. I thought it was a foul from from, from behind. I, I, but regardless, I, like, I know, I know what McKinnon's saying in terms of if you're down at the bottom of the league, you, you you don't get results, you don't get rub of the green. But that's just because if you're down at the bottom of the league, you spend far less time in the opponent's penalty area and there's probably far more far more going on in your penalty area so I I don't think that comes down to luck I, I think that th- comes down to them being poor I think as well like the Dumbarton's second and third goals really nice goals the second yep. goal beautifully mm-hmm. worked the third one an amazing hit from Finlay Gray but fuck me look at the marking the ball ah, gets terrible. played the ball gets played sort of to the, to the penalty box and there's Matty Shields coming in off the left lovely finish Mm-hmm. Such a nice goal interplay between Hilton and Orsi down the right to, to 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 set him up. Lovely goal, but a really bad goal at the same time. Yeah. And the, the the that the Finlay Gray's goal. I had seen the goal already. I just watched it and I know they scored like from the edge of the area. But when the highlights are, are watching back the highlights again, you, you see they, they win a free kick just to the edge of the penalty box. He's standing 
about 30 yards for goal, 25 yards from goal, just himself. No one comes out to meet him. And when the ball, it's Hilton who just passes the ball to him. And I mean, it's a brilliant finish. You've got to say, an incredible finish. However, he shouldn't have been in the position to get the shot away. Yeah. Somebody should have been at the edge there to mm-hmm. close him down. Such an, It's a really, really good goal, but it's like such an obvious goal to lose. And and then the, the other goal as well, Tony Wallace's goal. Again, brilliant delivery in from, from Hilton. But he's like, Tony Wallace is one of the most... If you, go, if you look at that Dumbarton team and you've got a corner, you're, you've conceded a corner to him, who are the guys that are the biggest threats here? Sean Crichton, Tony Wallace. Why? Because they're fucking big boys. Mark them. Mark them. They're the two guys, the biggest threat. Then work everything else for there. They choose not to mark Tony Wallace. It's, a, it's a, an easy header in. So aye, you, you, you get bad luck with, with the, the shot deflecting off Brindley's legs. You get bad luck with a quote-unquote penalty that wasn't given. But you also, you give away three-year goals. But, but the defeat in general isn't down to bad luck. I mean, no, the defeat no. in general is, is down to being inferior and that's yeah. ultimately why Forfar are, are where they are in, in, in the division yeah and I think Andy Monroe the, going off is, isn't great that was uh, I don't know how long he's going to be out for and, and McKinnon acknowledged it's something that I think I don't know if we said it on the the, the bonus show that we did last week but about that Forfar need another striker I think we're just talking about yeah. teams that need strikers but mm-hmm. I mean Josh Skelly I think it's been a, a bit of a, a hard shift for him up front himself, there's been a lack of competition and they do need players that are going to come and, and augment them. I always think that Forfar have got the money to, to to bring in recruits and reinforcements in January, but whether or not that people want to go or you want to get a high caliber of player to go there for a team that are, that are struggling at the moment, I, I don't know. If you I look at League 2 at the moment, and I don't know what you think, but it feels like the... I, I think that we know... It's a three-horse race at the top of the it's top of the division. Spartans will finish in fourth place. Elgin City will finish bottom. That's how it feels to me. And already at this stage of the season, that that Forfar are just like too far away to because you're being say thirteen points. You're expecting. I don't know if the Spartans can keep up their good run. I think they can. I've not seen any evidence to suggest that they're mm-hmm. going to fall away. It's not like Bonnie Rig last season who made a really really impressive start. Very quickly they fell away. I think it was after three, yeah. they, they got seven points in their first three games and fell away. Spartans, I think, can go the distance. But it just it just feels like such a, a huge missed opportunity for them. And I think it's just been already at this season, it's just like likes likes not finishing tenth. And like so many of the signings in the summer were young players either on loan from Dundee United or young players who have been, I suppose, let go from the, the, the Dundee clubs and none of that's really worked out so unless and you wonder how they could how they could do it differently in January in terms of because again you probably think it's going to be unless they really do have money to spend it's probably going to be loan moves again and again it's probably going to have to be young players so I, I don't know how they get themselves out of this funk I don't I don't fancy them to to particularly get out of it but I do think they will keep their, their head above water but not because I, I think they'll necessarily improve but just because of a wee bit more than than Elgin ultimately Do you think McKinnon will last the season? No No I, I, I can't imagine A how he'll manage that or, or B will manage that Yeah I'm, I'm the same and it's a shame I'm not saying it's a shame I mean I've no real skin in the game but it's I just McKinnon's just had a, had a, a funny managerial career because there's places where he's done really well Queen's Park, for instance, I know the circumstances were, were very favourable towards him there. 
but like did a good job at Queen's Park. Wraith Rovers, probably see on the whole. Dundee United, maybe a wee bit unlucky. The club was in a bit of a tricky position. So uh, probably the sliding doors moment with McKinnon was, if I remember correctly, was Simon Murray sent off undeservedly in the playoffs. Mm. Dundee United against Hamilton, they got sent off, they got a second yellow card for diving and it probably should have been a penalty. That was probably sliding doors moment because certainly when he left Wraith, I, I rated him as a manager and I thought he'd probably have a decent career, but it feels like it's been uh, Queen's Park tenure aside and let's face it, he had money to spend there. Uh, it feels like it's been all downhill and let's face it, you're wondering where he goes next. I doubt it's SPFL bound if he, if Morton let him go. Uh, if Forfa let him go, sorry. Yeah, uh, I, I just, he felt like at the time the best manager that Falk, uh, that Falk, <laughs> like I said about his time at Falk, <laughs> the better. The, it feels like that that he was the best manager that Forfa could yep. have got in the circumstances uh-huh. and for a while it, it looked like that to be the case. It's just, it's, it's not working. And fans, well, like we say, you 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 don't need to you, you don't need to be able to read to understand that that, that fans are are not having it. But I suppose that that is bad as Forfar where Dumbarton were able to. Oh, in fact, you know what we haven't mentioned just before we go on. How good was Seb Ross's goal? Oh, really good. Oh, absolutely class. See the the the. If you haven't seen it, listener, please go and get a look at it. One of the good things with the four for highlights is there's a camera behind the goal. I mean, he gets the ball. He gets the ball like sort of like like flicked into him. He controls it on his knee. He flicks yep. it over the head of Aaron Linus. He takes a touch and then he finishes. It's it's like. Dennis Bergkamp's goal against um, Argentina at the 1998 World Cup, but with one extra touch and at a slightly lower stakes. I mean, it's nothing like it, but it's very good. <laughs> so as much as it's nothing like that goal, I would, I would encourage you to, to watch it because it's very, very good. The, the, the control in his knee, I think, it's a be- I think it's a beautiful goal. I think it's one of the goals of the season. I think it's actually the best goal that was scored. I think it was the best goal that was scored in that game. Uh, oh, aye, definitely. And there were some good goals in that game, but that, yeah. was, that was very much the best one. And I suppose we talk about the, we'll come, we'll come and talk about it from the Martin's perspective. I think this is a really big win for them for having lost last week to Stennis Smear. The circumstance, an 85th minute winner, a deflected 85th minute winner at that, where you see the rivals pull like further ahead in the table. Really important that they, they, they went to, to Forfar and won to maintain the pace, and they managed to do that. And, and I think some of the football they played at times was, was just really, really good. And I think that all really came down to the performance of uh, of Jinky Hilton, who like a goal, two assists, a secondary assist, uh, just a general menace all all afternoon. Yeah, I, I, I thought it looked really good. And as much as I've always been a, a wee bit wary of Stevie Farrell as as a, a Dumbarton manager, and let's face it, like the Barton fans have never really been totally sold on him. But see, in terms of this season and and in general, I do feel a bit sorry for him. Because they're a wee bit behind Stenish Muir, but I don't think that's because the Barton are doing poorly. It's because Steny are doing so well. What is that? Seven, 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 wins, uh, in seven wins in the bounce. And what is that? Eight, they're like maybe eight points behind Steny. And yeah, I, yeah. I do think that, like last week, as much as Steny probably deserved the three points, there was a couple of moments where the Barton might have kind of got their noses in front. So on another day, that, that could have went differently. Uh, but I do think that that Farrell has the button playing. I think going forward, they've got they've got players that that can hurt teams. And again, it felt like there was three or four players who had a very very good game on Saturday, and eventually they they, they overran for for. However, I, I, I 
still not entirely sure they're going to be able to to get out of this division, and ultimately that's what Farrell has been tasked with. I with with, with Farrell, I think that the 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 problem with him is just, you just as as a Dumbarton fan, I just don't think you can trust him. I think that's yeah. it. It's like since he's been there, he's lost all the he's lost the big games, relegated via the playoffs mm-hmm. last season. Went almost went the distance for Sterling. I was horrendous second half of the season, signed a new contract, finished in second place, play Annan, get stuffed off Annan. Big game against Steny, really important game for them to, to close the gap at the top of the table. They lose it, and you can say there's a bit of luck that's involved. Farrell's a common denominator. That's the that that's the thing. Farrell's a common denominator there. So it's uh, it's that's that's why I put it reading Pie and Bovril, it's like that's that's what the fans and all the fans that I speak to have spoken to Dumbarton have, have said that it's just that you can't you can't fully believe in him. And we were both very surprised when he was given that contract extension when Dumbarton were doing very well at the towards the kind of start of last season, or, or maybe it was the kind of midpoint of last season when he was given that contract extension. We we're both uh, very surprised at that. I suppose what you would say is, let's say. Let's say worst case scenario, Dumbarton do end up in the playoffs. You would imagine that Edinburgh finished tenth from from League One. You would then imagine that maybe Annan, for example, might finish ninth. You'd fancy. I would still fancy. I would Annan. still fancy Dumbarton against Annan. So as much as as it stands right now, I'm not entirely sure they they're going to win League Two. You would, you would make uh, you make any of the the favourites. I still think they have a pretty good chance of getting promoted. And ultimately, if he if he does that, then that's what he's been tasked with, so fair enough. That's it. It comes to the big game against Annan. Imagine Annan, terrible season, lost six games. Five nil defeat. Five five nil defeat at Galabag, <laughs> and that's it. And a stuffy one-one draw back at the Rock for a wee bit of pride. What a couple, a couple of observations. This was, I think, it was Harry Brown's first uh, league appearance of the season. He has come in in place of Brett Long, who broke his ankle, and it's a horrendous, it's just a freak act, training ground accident. But he's going to be out for the rest of the season which is a damn shame because I think he's one of the best goalkeepers in the division uh, and um, just an all-round good, good player. One of the good things, though, is that that Harry Brown's not your typical lower league backup goalkeeper. Yeah. And what I mean by that is normally at this level, you have got uh, your number one, your undisputed number one goalkeeper. And then the drop-off between your number one, number two is enormous. So your number two is normally someone who's about 20 years old, who's about five foot eight, and who will only ever play low maintenance, very, quietly get someone that's worked very low maintenance, but only ever plays if your goalkeeper goes off injured or he's sent off. Your guy comes on, plays the last 20 minutes, so straight away, even before the final whistle, you're on the phone to Hibs. You got any goalies you can loan me? You know, Dundee United, you got any keepers you, you can get a shot off? Harry Brown's not like that. I think the gap between Brown and, and Long is, is a lot narrower than, than, than most other goalkeepers. And so it's a, it's a drop off in quality, not a massive drop off in quality. However, so that, so that's that's good. I think it was like most other keepers in the division. Your number one gets injured. You're 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 in a, a bit of bother. But so they're they're fortunate in that regard. I, I totally agree. It does hamper them because I think Brett Long is arguably or well, no, he wasn't because your keeper Jameson's the best goalie in the division. Brett Long's very good though. I, I think Brown is is decent. Uh, I've seen him against free throwers, and I was very impressed by him. But there is, there is a gap there, and it, it doesn't. It certainly doesn't improve Dumbarton's chances for winning the division. Put it that way. I think as well an observation that I had. Uh, they need Mark Dernan back because Aaron Linus is uh, not a centre back. 
I think that we saw that for Forfer's goal. It came from the penalty. Linus gave away the penalty, but that's not necessarily what I'm criticising for because the foul, it doesn't matter where he's playing in the park. Anyone could have made that foul. It's the fact that it's a ball chucked into the box and he doesn't he doesn't properly deal with it. The ball just gets headed up into there and then it's allowed to, to skitter around a bit before they before they, they can clear. And I think having Dernan and Crichton in there, I, I, that just brings a lot more assurance so when Stennis Muir played Dumbarton last week, that's the when when the ball went to Matty Aitken up top, that's the player he looked to peel off onto. It wasn't Sean Crichton, because I think he knows that, that Crichton would give him a, a much harder time. It was uh, Aaron Linus, who's a bit shorter, isn't quite as strong, probably a better football player, you know, but he's a he's a fullback. He's a fullback that's having to play in one just because of the because of injuries. So I think they could do with him back. Other than that, I don't think there's really much to complain about for for, for Dumbarton at all. In that game, I think that 4-2, judging by the chances that were missed at the end, 4-2 might actually have flattered Forfa because when Dumbarton got into their groove, like they they, they looked really good. Mentioned it there, the, the, the goal, we've not even touched on, on Tony Wallace's goal. And what makes it so good, see Hilton's corner. It's so... It's, it's you know it's like it's like an it's like an airplane flying through the sky where it's just so straight and undulated. It's, it's so yeah. flat and and like that's just such a nice. I mean, I the marking's poor and somebody should have got a bit tighter to Wallace. But it's just such a such a nice goal, man. Such a nice goal. And I they could they could have won by more. And it was an important win for them. Uh, and I it keeps pace with uh, themselves and Peterhead. Big game coming up. I think it's on the sixth of January where the, the match between Peterhead and the Barton is, is going to be rearranged. So that'll, that's a, that feels like a real six-pointer in the, the battle there. Because I think if Dumbarton lose that one, I mean, they're still the same number of points behind Stennis at the top of the table. It doesn't really change much, but I think psychologically, it just uh, nudges Peterhead away from them. I, I, that, that's a battle for second, though, isn't it? Yes, I, but I still think Dumbarton will see themselves legitimate title contenders. As far as I'm concerned, I think it's a three-horse race at the moment, but one that, that Stennis Muir are, are certainly the, the favourites for for the time being. That's good. You're, you're keeping your feet on the ground. I'm glad you're not getting carried away. I mean, I didn't really want to talk about Steny because we talk about no, Steny. No, that's, that's, fine. We, we that's talk, fine. we talk about Steny all the time. I think that I'm trying to uh, get Craig Fowler to do a Stenhouse Muir special podcast and where where we go and look in depth purely at Stennis Muir, some wag might say, "Hey, that's every fucking Lord League podcast." <laughs> no, but when we just specifically look at Stennis Muir, not Stennis Muir and Wraith Rovers, just Stenhouse Muir. So we'll uh, maybe look uh, look forward to that sometime. But Sean, I think that I think we've said what we've achieved to do. We wanted to talk about three Lord League games in great depth, and and we have we've given the people what they want. Yeah, absolutely. And, and an hour and uh, 24 minutes, unless uh, Fowler uh, decides to edit bits out. I, I don't know. I, 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 I wouldn't imagine so. I hope he does. I hope he does. <laughs> the bit of the start, obviously, and the bit where my Amazon package got delivered. So there's two bits he needs to edit out there. <laughs> that, that takes it down to an hour and 19. But that, that's long enough, isn't it? Yeah, that's, that's long enough. That's, that's Craig Fowler's problem. That's Craig Fowler's problem. <laughs> but nevertheless, dear listener, thank you so much for joining myself and Sean. And thank you for your continued support of this podcast. Uh, Sean and I were not recording a Patreon episode this evening, but it doesn't matter because there's, there's, there's tons, there's hours of good stuff in there. I think Fowler's doing a, a What Fans Want from Christmas. Sounds great. Some people want to end world hunger. Some people want a new centre forward. That's the mindset of a football fan. 
But uh, not no please. There's, there's going to be. Uh, don't make sure this is probably. I think this is probably the last podcast we're going to record in 2023 because I don't, I don't want to record one next week. <laughs> I don't. Want, I don't have to sit down and research games of football when I could be out having pints uh, instead. Even so, if it's Stennis Muir based. I know. Unless it's Stennis Muir based, I'll do that because I don't need to research that. It's all. It's all up here. So if you want me to talk about, I don't know, like Clyde versus whoever they're playing, I'll need to sit down and uh, with a pen and paper for yeah. that. Uh, but yeah, that's very much very much my problem um, so I'd say enjoy your football enjoy your festive period don't worry about being respectful because it's Christmas <laughs> so you can be, pretty much do what you want and somebody says excuse me have you just been sucking my clothes oh come on it's Christmas it's your gateway to basically be as debauched as possible so just make the most <laughs> of it really I'm enjoying the thought of uh, lower league football fans up and down the country behaving dreadfully just because you've oh. told them not to be respectful um, well, well, don't don't do anything too wild. Like, don't like like don't assault anyone. Yeah, yeah. Just there's a line somewhere, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, maybe that's it. Is, is over the line. Maybe that's it. Like, go and have a good time, but please do so respectfully. <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's it. Yeah, yeah. Like, just just enjoy yourself. Be debauched, but do so respectfully. Be debauched, but be debauched respectfully. That's all we can ask. Yeah, that's all we can ask. Fair yeah. play. We'll leave it at that. Thank you very much, Sean. No, thank you. And thank you very much to you, the listener. Take care. Good night. God bless. Sports Social Podcast Network.